Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so you're participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your front-range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Green Mountain Dental Group is a family-owned business that has been a staple in Lakewood for over 40 years. Whether it's cosmetic, oral surgery, or preventative dentistry, at Green Mountain Dental Group, you will find nothing but the best. We have chosen Green Mountain Dental and will continue to attend Green Mountain Dental because of the superior care that we receive from them. Their facility is amazing and above all, it's the personal touch that we receive from the people there, including Dr. Ben Jr. and Ann and Mary and Sherry and Marie. They've known me of my husband, my children, and now my grandchildren and are just incredible with all of us. That was Annette. She's been a patient at Green Mountain Dental Group since 1976 and truly loves their service. Never did I think in 1976 how blessed we would be to recognize the people at Green Mountain Dental and are so thankful that they have been Welcome a part of our lives. For all new patients, Green Mountain Podcast. Dental Group offers We're talk about everything from, uh, you know, athletic builds to ball skills. Just mentioned the SN Down the line from there, right? Fill in all the blanks in between, yes. Jeffrey Simmons, a guy that I really like. But he's just a marvelous interior penetrator. Special, special, special kid. What an abundance of choice you have with these interior defensive linemen in this class. Kyler Murray, as long as he gets to draft day healthy, he will make more money. He's been asked the question. He's had multiple opportunities to say, I signed with the A's. I'm going to honor my commitment there. This isn't even a conversation. He hasn't done it. That's all he has to say. And maybe after the Bama game, it's like, geez, he's not just a first rounder. He's a top 10 pick. Frankly, I would take him ahead of Herbert right now. And I think it'd be a toss up with Paskin. 100%. And now here's your hosts, Andre Simone and AJ Hayfully. Welcome to the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast, presented by Elixinol. Jake Plumber has endorsed Elixinol's hemp balm, which provides him and his family with the endless benefits of CBD. Then you should too. This is a non-THC product, and five percent of your purchase goes to a nonprofit of your choice. Visit Elixinol.com to get yours today. I am your host AJ Hayfley, alongside Andre Simone. It is Friday. We are the Draft Podcast guys. Dre, it's oh, been yeah. a week since we've gotten to do this. How are you, buddy? Doing good. Yourself? Uh, fun, fun time. Yeah, yeah. I uh, 
I'm only covering the biggest Avs game of the year tonight. So, uh, Avs and Coyotes, make sure you guys check that out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and check out the Rockies, check out the Nuggets, and your draft fix here. What a great time to be a BSN subscriber or BSN employee. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this is our favorite time of year when everything is kind of running into each other. You know, we've got... Rockies got going yesterday. I was watching that game while I was doing work and writing about Gabe Landeskog's injury. Uh, the Nuggets were on last night, although I didn't watch it because I refused to watch uh, Rockets games. Um, Good for you. And oh yeah, March Madness. Just yeah, like, I mean, nah, straight chilling. March March Madness is just it's always March sadness for me because I'm a Kansas fan and they find Bill Self just finds ways to disappoint me. He finds way to self sabotage. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't very good. I'm it's it's still early yeah, for me. So barely a little earlier in the morning than you and I are accustomed to, that's for sure. Uh at least in terms yeah. of having to be on our game. Right, right. We're big time night owls. Lots of late, late night film watching over here. So then the mornings, yeah. you know, we we get a little more mumbly and uh cloudy headed yeah. if you will so so bear definitely with definitely aren't a hundred percent yet but that means it's a perfect time for us to rip apart your new mock draft that you wrote in which i get to make fun of you okay, <laughs> no it's uh you know you and i you and i were running through it together uh before you posted it so it's you know it's not going to be quite like that but Let's uh, let's just get to it because uh, we have a lot to touch on on today's show. As always, we have yep. one day per week yep. to try and get through all this. Uh, draft day is four weeks from now. Less than a month away. So, yep. uh, you know, the first round is on the 25th. Mm-hmm. So we, yep. are, we are less than four weeks away from that. Four weeks from tonight is day two. So, yeah. Holy crazy. smokes. All right. Um, where do you want to start with the mock? Just up top? You want to just run through up to Denver's pick and get to anything interesting along the way? Sure, sure. All yeah, right. So good. you've got Kyler Murray going one to the Arizona Cardinals, which is pretty standard stuff these days. Um, no real, no real surprise there. We don't really need to spend a lot of time, a lot of time on that. I think. Yeah. Uh, Nick Bosa to San Francisco. Same thing. Nick Bosa is the top player on almost everybody's board. San Francisco is getting a mm-hmm. little bit of a gift of him at two here. Uh, they traded for D Ford. Those two guys are going to wreak some havoc in the NFC West. Good for them. Things get interesting here yeah. with the Jets. Uh, you have Quinn and Williams uh, going there, which Quinn and Williams, I think, or Josh Allen are the two guys uh, at this point where I think, yep. hey, if. If uh, if those guys if those guys are available, one of those two guys I think is a fair pick there. Uh, you did note that it's an important pick for the Broncos because if you're hoping for Devin White, um, the Jets selecting uh, Josh Allen removes one of the th- one of the players that Tampa Bay would like to choose. Mm-hmm. And this is perfect trade down territory too. I. Uh... 
I think there's a much greater chance that the Jets won't be trading at three than they will, and one way or another, some team will move up and swap. Yeah, I also uh, think that getting ahead of the Raiders uh, is going to be a priority for somebody, for someone. So, uh, and the Jets, you know, the Jets badly need to recoup picks from last year's Darnold deal. Uh, This just makes the most sense for them to move down. But because projecting trades is one of those things that feels like stepping on pine cones with bare feet. Um, we're just not, yeah, we're totally. just not going to go through that mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. Uh, four, you have Three. Dwayne Haskins with the Raiders. You and I have gone back and forth on Haskins lock uh, at, uh, at, at, at these picks. I, I think again, not projecting any trades. I think Haskins and lock are going four and six in this draft. I just don't know the order. Right. Yep. Yeah, and there's, you know, there's talk that Gruden really likes Locke. That's entirely possible. They work together at the Senior Bowl. I also think Haskins is the better quarterback and probably a better fit in Gruden's system, which is still, you know, based on timing and accuracy and very much an old-school West Coast-type offense, which I think Haskins is perfect in. So he's really a great fit in Oakland or in New York where, you know, the Giants have Pat Shermer, the guy who made Case Keenum look decent. Uh, so there you go. I mean, I, I really think Haskins' accuracy puts him above Locke for just about every team. Yeah, I um, I have a problem. A guy like Drew Locke as a as a four year starter and half of his career, his accuracy was real, real poor. Um. It doesn't bode well. Just history, history, you know, says that guys like that don't tend to uh, play very well in in the NFL. And there's a lot of things about Drew Locke right. that make me nervous and just make me wish he's gone before ten. So um, Tampa Bay yeah. at five, you have Devin White going there because you're a heartbreaker. Uh, <laughs> That's exactly right. I mean, I really, I really do feel like Josh Allen. I mean, given how, I mean, that's got to be a major temptation for them. Yeah. Yep. That's a good point with Josh Allen still around. uh, Those were the two picks I was debating and it might be smart and somewhat out of the box to pick Josh Allen, who I think in coverage is very underrated and in a four, three could be a straight up strong side linebacker like Von Miller, Khalil Mack were at the beginning of their careers. Yeah. So that's an interesting caveat to throw in here. Yeah, and of course that has a huge trickle-down effect on how the rest of this is going to go. Yeah. Uh, so then again, uh, quarterbacks at four and six, Locke ends up with the Giants. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jacksonville here, you get a little, you get a little big. Yeah, yeah. I went uh I went all out with DK Metcalf. I feel like this guy's going to be pushed up the board. The premise of this entire mock was, you know, don't believe the rumors that the rumor mill is churning out in the last couple weeks of oh the quarterbacks might drop and it'll be a defensive dominated first round. It should be based on the strength of this class. But because of that, I think a lot of teams might prioritize offense early and take advantage of the defensive depth later. So I'm kind of projecting some some offensive skill positions, especially being reached on. And after the three quarterbacks, DK going seventh overall was the next kind of 
domino to fall in that that thesis of mine in this mock. Okay. And then um, a guy that we've already talked about with several picks here, Josh Allen does go to Detroit. Uh, let me ask yep. you, if Josh Allen does go to Tampa Bay, would Devin White to Detroit be another one of those landing yeah. spots for him? Yep, totally. And uh, if Quinn and Williams were to drop for any reason, I think this would be his floor as well. Um, I, I just see the Lions going defense, 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 even though someone commented yesterday to me that maybe they want DK as the next Megatron. And I mean, I guess they could use receiver help, but I just see Matt Patricia trying to add more defense and more guys who can kind of create a defensive identity for his team. Yeah. And, uh, Josh Allen, I think would be interesting because, uh, he could, you know, they, they spent all that money on Trey Flowers uh, in in free right. agency. So uh, adding adding all that, that's a lot of pass rushing juice that they – and Detroit feels like they've been looking for that forever too. The same way Tampa yeah, Bay totally. has. So it's like, you guys going to actually do this or what? Right. All right. And then you've yeah. got Buffalo going with Rashawn Gary. Um, I mean, Buffalo is another one of those. They could do – they could pick seven different guys and I would go, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. I think ideally they'd go offense. If DK Metcalf was still around, he'd be the pick. I think O-line will be a consideration though. I think they like the tackles they have in place better than the general, uh, you know, like NFL Twitter or media does. Mm -hmm. Uh, so Rashawn Gary was there. He's a perfect fit for that Sean McDermott D. I gave him I gave him Gary. Yeah. Well, that leaves uh quite the uh quite the Sophie's choice here. Yeah. Um you've got Ed Oliver sitting on the board who just had a fantastic pro day that everybody is talking about. And uh, Devin Bush is the guy that you ended up selecting for Denver. Why Devin Bush and not Ed Oliver? Yeah, and Devin Bush, while Fangio was kind of poo-pooing the Devins over Roquan Smith, which, of course, I have lots of thoughts on, um, which maybe we can get into by, like, segment three, where we'll be talking about first-round options a little more. Um, yeah, I just think, one, Ed Oliver doesn't fit the type of defensive lineman the Broncos have drafted in the past, you know, even Demarcus Walker, who was a little undersized, you're still talking about a guy who was six, three with 33 inch arms. Um, and so even though maybe weight wise, he's comparable to Ed Oliver, you have a lot more length, which is something that you need in an odd front to, uh, you know, try to keep double teams off you and, uh, free up space and be a good run defender at mm. Oliver, obviously an elite interior penetrator, which I think the Broncos desperately need, uh, but doesn't fit that size requirements they've gone after in the past, whether it be Derek Wolf, Adam Gotsis, uh, the same Demarcus Walker, even guys like Shelby Harris and so on and so forth. They're bigger guys. Uh, so, and even, you know, you look at Vic Fangio's past, Guys like Justin Smith, Akeem Hicks, those are bigger dudes. Uh, so I'm not convinced that Ed Oliver fits what they'd like or fits their scheme, even though if we were to go off my board, 
that would be the best player available at this point for Denver. Uh, Bush is just an incredibly safe pick. And yeah, we'll get into some other options as things heat up here in April in segment three, because I, I did get some pushback about not taking Oliver. So I definitely like to talk about that a little more. Okay. So there's a little spoiler for you or teaser. No, but teaser i keep i keep saying teaser when i want a spoiler when i want to say teaser. a reminder so, that it is yeah. early in the morning for us <laughs> that's right that's right uh okay so i don't i mean we're not going to run through the rest of this um you yeah. did have ed oliver landing at 14 yep and there's lots of talk of atlanta who's picking at 14 wanting to trade up and it sounds like oliver's their target I also had Daniel Jones going to 15 to the Redskins because the Redskins, you know, they're crazy and um, desperate. Yep. And quick kind of a run of, of wide receivers and offensive linemen towards the end of the mock too. So interesting. I'm sure I'll have more and the next one will look not significantly, but uh, noticeably different. Let's say. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's uh let's keep on rolling here since we're moving pretty quickly uh, and we have a thousand things to talk about today. Uh, yeah. Let's get to our questions that we have for the segment. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, first quote we got from JD Fry says Andre and AJ, since the Raiders have three first rounders, I'm a little worried what they can do with those. Can you give us a player at each one of those draft positions? They could re- that they could realistically draft that make us go meh. And not worry so much, like taking Locke at four with uh, Williams staring them in the face. Thanks. So three first-rounders, what are three picks? What's what's a guy at four that you're not too worried about if they take? Yeah, I mean, Jared's idea is Locke. That's, not a, that's definitely not a bad idea there. Um, to some extent, Rashawn Gary would be another meh pick at four uh gary obviously has huge upside but i think in that scheme where they already have a lot of interior defensive linemen they'd force him on the edge which i don't love as a fit and you know he's a boomer bust type guy that production at michigan was never great uh so yeah there you go i think locker gary we should be fairly happy in broncos country if either of those guys are the pick at four Okay, and picks at, they've also got 24 and 27. Uh, I'm going to use one of the picks that you actually mocked to them and and say Josh Jacobs. Yeah, Josh Jacobs wouldn't scare you, huh? No. Yeah, which is totally fine. I mean, this is an odd running back class where it feels like a lot of these guys are, could be decent second backs, you know, or decent running back by committee type guys but not the lead back that scares you they also just added isaiah crowell so you wonder if they'd still go after um a running back in round one uh jacobs is a decent one Uh, who else doesn't scare me here i don't know like greg little that had cut donald penn if they went after greg little or if they waited and took their quarterback with one of those picks and went after, say, Daniel Jones, someone like that. 
or they addressed this is kind of for both picks 24 and 27 because they're in that same range um i think if they went after like jakai polite because they need edge rush help and they went after you know the quarterback at four uh, that wouldn't scare me all that much mm-hmm. i'm trying to think who would be a huge reach that they could pull off realistically in round one i mean Jalen Ferguson, he of the slowest uh, three-cone drill in human history. Them uh, taking a tight end would be fine with me. Uh, and then <laughs> I would say, honestly, Paris Campbell. He, he oh, feels like yes. such a Raiders oh, pick. Thank you. Thank you. Paris Campbell. I mean, Al Davis would be smiling from above. And yeah, that would be... It'd be just a disaster. It'd be Corderell Patterson or, you know, Darius Haywood Bay all over again. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. Darius Hayward Bay was just such a legend. Such a Raiders going to Raider moment in draft history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about someone who had boat paddles instead of hands. Huh? Oh, my God, dude. That guy. What a mess. Yeah. 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 yeah, those are those are the kind of guys uh, that I I just wouldn't I definitely wouldn't be worried about them. I'm a lot more worried about the Chase Winovich pick that you gave them because I love him. I think he's going to be such a fun pro. Yeah, totally. And I really feel like Winovich is going to be uh, thrust into round one with kind of the separation there is at edge rush right now. Another guy who you know could be pushed up because of combine results but I don't think is that great is uh, Juan Thornhill, the safety slash nickel defensive back out of Virginia tested off the charts, but the tape is eh, leaves me wanting for more. Uh, He kind of feels like a Raiders pick to some extent. um, And I'd love to see him make that selection and regret it down the line. So there's another name. This was a great question. We'll always talk about like, don't let this guy drop to the Chiefs. Don't let this guy drop to the Patriots. Yeah. But it's fun to be like, oh, please, please, Raiders, take this guy. Yeah. This will be fun. Yeah, like you have Do the it. Chiefs taking Greedy Williams. And for me, that just makes me mad. That just makes me want to it makes me want to fight you, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. The Chiefs have two second rounders, too, which is uh a little scary so i mean and let's let's just say this with all, as much as we just tried i don't think the raiders could ever best the uh horrendous job they did a year ago with colton miller that takes the cake like congrats to the raiders on that <laughs> yeah oh colton miller god that was fun let's do that again yeah uh, yeah, okay second awesome. question uh dre we're gonna bust out our report cards here agathon says Grade my picks. Curious you guys think may be a better fit for the positions in the rounds I used. Specifically curious on mid-round D-line with Hill and Slayton. I tried to fill needs with good fits where guys may be available. I know I'm in pretend land, but that's what makes this fun, right? First of all, yes, that is what makes this fun. And is why we dedicate uh, an entire show to this every week is because it is a lot of fun to talk about this stuff and what could be and, and trying to build a class and say, Hey, this, this could be a good group of guys. Um, so right. Agathens has TJ Hawkinson uh, in round one. Um, Dre, I'll let you give that grade because we know what I'm going to do. 
yeah, AJ is going to go with the default F because he's a uh, he's kind of an old grumpy guy. Um, look, Hawkinson, Hawkinson at ten isn't great value for me, both position value and based off my board. You're talking about a guy who's uh, close to in that fifteen to twenty range on my board. Does have a first round grade. Uh, but still not great value considering some of the other guys around. I'd give that a C to C plus. Um, I tell you, if they take if they take a tight end over one of the Devons or Ed Oliver, uh, there will be yeah. a meltdown. Um, you might me. have to go go home and take day one off and regroup and I'll, I'll be doing all the content on my own. <laughs> That'd be fun. Um, we've, we've survived worse though. My friend, we've survived worse. Never, never forget 2017. Um, round two, he has Chris Lindstrom, the guard out of Boston college, a guy we both really like. I think that'd be an a level pick. My 39th prospect at 41. That's pretty good value. Um, yeah. Um, Lindstrom, I would like a lot. Um, that's a pick that I could really get behind. Yeah. Uh, I would give that like a solid like BB plus. It's a good, it's a good fit, good position. Makes a lot of sense. I'm down. Yeah. Yeah. Really like that. Round three at thir- uh, 71, he has Jermaine Pratt, linebacker out of NC State, converted safety, would be a nice fit in what Fangio likes to do. Uh, linebacker, I like a decent amount, not as much as Terrell Hanks, maybe not as much as Drew Tranquil, right up there with one of my guys, Bobby Okereke. Um He's a guy who flashed a lot when you watched Chubb tape last year. I'd say this is C+. Plus. Maybe even a B, B minus. Okay. It wouldn't be my top priority, but I think realistic range, that's the kind of prospect you're looking at, and you could do a lot worse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it does it does fill, you know, a, a need that we've talked a lot about. Pretty big need, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so round uh, four, we've got Tristan Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so more with, of a nose tackle guy. Um, I know some 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 fans are pretty interested in really getting that nose tackle. I think you don't need a true nose tackle, and if you did, I'd be more interested in guys like Greg Gaines or Dalen Mack uh, out of Texas A&M, who I think could fit that role, or even Renell Wren, who's got out of Arizona State, tested really well, has good length. Um so this wouldn't be my ideal pick. I'd rather a guy who's more versatile can give you a little more third down ability though. Uh, you know, Hill tested pretty well, so he's, he's intriguing and I'll admit I haven't dug into the tape too much on the UCF defensive tackle, but you know, I, I think there's better options in this class. If in this loaded interior defensive line class, what you come away with is Tristan Hill. I'll be disappointed. I'll be disappointed the way I was when the Broncos had two really good cornerback classes and 
came away with Brendan Langley and Isaac Yadam. I think they should have done much better those years. I think if Tristan Hill's what they come away with, I will feel the same way. So there you go. That's it's like a D for me. Uh, okay, and then Hunter Renfro and Chris Slayton. I I like Hunter Renfro. I will admit that I've always had a soft spot for him. You have um, quicker than fast, which not exactly what I'm looking for, but look, yeah, nice, nice slot wide receiver. Can't argue with what he's done over his uh, college career. And in round five, I'm okay with it, especially with adding someone who can give uh, Deshaun Hamilton kind of uh, some some real competition. Uh, definitely. And then Chris Slayton, other nose tackle type. Uh, so Renfro, I'll give that a C plus. Chris Slayton, other nose tackle type. You know, it's around later. I'll give that like a D plus. Yeah, the uh, the interior uh, guys waiting this long to get to it. It just feels like let's just not. Yeah. Uh, Tyree Jackson in the sixth. Wow. Uh, phenomenal value. Kind of a great boomer bust pick. Uh, I think that's a B plus plus, even an A minus. I also don't believe Tyree Jackson will get past day two. Yeah. I, I mean, in the sixth, I would, can you, how could you complain at all about Tyree Jackson at that spot? Oh no. So. I mean, we'd finally have the developmental quarterback and it'd be one whose tools are undeniable. <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, okay. Evan Worthington in round seven. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Worthington's and I don't feel like he's the rangy safety we're looking at. I would go with other options. This is a, uh, yeah, another D plus. Even though it's the seventh, let's be nice. Let's say C minus. C minus. I'm good with that. Okay. Where could be a useful player, not gonna, not a terrible pick, but it's just sort of, it's on, it's on him to to prove that it's worth it because it's it's an iffy selection as is but in the seventh round like i'm not gonna make too many bones about very many guys in the seventh round yeah totally and i mean look worthington i'd prefer if you could get him as one of these local guys who you bring in as an undrafted free agent but yeah if you you take a seventh where you're basically making him a priority undrafted free agent fine no problem with me All right. We, uh, a classically long draft segment for us. That's how we do it. It's true. It's very much. And then, of course, Avs News broke right in the middle of that segment for me. So, excellent. Yeah. I, uh, I'm sorry that my brain split into two different directions and I had to start doing something else for a minute there. Um, okay. Let's go ahead and take our first break. Uh, we will come back in segment number two here. We've got a lot to talk about, uh, about day two. We've done so much talking about uh, what to do with the 10th pick and the different options and how the different scenarios play out. Well, we're going to talk about day two here. We're going to get to uh, needs and values at all the different positions that we are going to be uh, looking for Denver to target in that spot. 
That's what you have to look forward to. So stick around. This is the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Elixinol. We'll be right back. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. And welcome in segment number two here, the PSN Broncos Draft Podcast. I'm AJ. He is Andre. We are a tired version of us, and we are here on a Friday morning doing our thing. You know, Dre, I believe you have a one additional question for us to lead off this segment. Yeah, totally. From Barrel Man 2.0. Hey, Andre and AJ, new commenter in the draft pod here. What's up, Arrow Man? I've heard lots and lots about what the Broncos will be doing with their first couple of picks. What position slash pieces do you think they go for on day three? Also, what eighth rounders do you see them attempting to bring in? Seems like the heart of both sides of the ball are both UDFAs. Um, great question. We'll get into the day three options in a second. A couple undrafted guys I would target, assuming they actually go undrafted, which is never easy to predict. Because, you know, like yeah. Jeff Holland had a round three grade for me last year, and I mean, Phil Lindsay definitely had a draftable grade. Right. And we did not think Phil Lindsay was going undrafted last year. No, totally. So it just kind of so happened that the best UDFAs they got had much, much higher grades than undrafted free agents um as they've done in the past with guys like Shaq barrett like capri bibbs like phil uh, to some extent even chris chris harris jr i would stay local with the undrafted guys that's where i'd start and you're talking about guys like alex wesley out of northern colorado the kind of speedy wide receiver that would really fit well in complement what what this receiving core already has uh, I would go with a linebacker in Colorado like Drew Lewis, who I think would be perfect in this defense. And, you know, the we just mentioned Evan Worthington. I'd be intrigued by both the Colorado statewide receivers, especially if Preston Williams dropped and was undrafted. Uh, he'd be very intriguing. That'd be a big up and, Oh, yeah. And Ola B.C. Johnson, you know, might be a strong possession wide out. Uh, down the line who's hard worker and would be good for your program. Uh, so those are kind of guys I'd stick with. I have a fascination with Youngstown State 
left guard Gavin Wiggins because of how well he played against Khalil Sounders. If he went undrafted, I'd definitely target him. Uh, just looking through my list, trying to find a few more undervalued guys. I mean, look, like Kendall Joseph could go undrafted at this point, the linebacker out of Clemson. Obviously, his pro day numbers were atrocious, but I think he'd still be worth, uh, you know, taking as an undrafted guy and potentially Khalil Hodge out of Buffalo would fit that mold and staying local. Someone like uh, what's his name? Josh Watson out of Colorado State could make a lot of sense as well. So there's yeah. a few names to to throw out there as a undrafted priority free agents. Yeah, and uh, some day three guys we'll definitely get into, um, but those were, those will all be, uh, you know, kind of dependent on how things fall and what they do in rounds one through three. Yep, totally. So, um, you know, we've talked a lot about round one, and as promised, we're going to get into day two here. Yeah. So rounds two and three, top needs, kind of, the, I mean, they're really the same needs as we're talking about at 10. It's just that they will have hopefully filled one of them at yep. 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, but interior offensive line is really where uh, we are looking at day two starting. Yeah, I think that's one of the bigger priorities and... Um one of the bigger needs on this squad and the value at that position really starts to heat up by the end of round one and early round two. And we remember what happened last year where the Broncos seemed prime to take an offensive lineman, an interior offensive lineman in round two. And then there was that run on guys that kind of prevented them from doing that. And you wonder, will they try to trade up this year to avoid that? How will things play out for them? Uh, There's no denying that with guys like Garrett Bradbury, uh, Lindstrom, who we talked about in the second segment, Elton Jenkins, the center out of Mississippi State that I know we're both high on. Yeah, I'm a Uh, big fan there. You know, Wisconsin. When Bradbury ends up breaking our heart and going in late in uh, in the first round and they don't get a shot at him in the second. Jenkins is the guy that I'm really Jenkins and Lindstrom are guys that I'm really looking forward to hundred uh, percent getting drafted right in front of Denver's pick. So I can be mad. <laughs> oh man. You made me cough. You made me laugh. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cause that's totally what's going to happen too. <laughs> you know, you look at the big 10, you've got guys who, whether it's early day two or even early round or early round two or even at that 71st pick in the third round guys like Bo Benchwell, the guard out of Wisconsin, Connor McGovern, Penn state. You, I mean, we've been talking about, right. We've been talking about McGovern for a while. Michael Jordan, the Ohio state center is really intriguing and Wisconsin center. Tyler Badass is intriguing, as is Drew Samia, the guard out of Oklahoma, or Michael Deiter, the guard out of Wisconsin. So lots of options, and uh, that's really just scratching the surface. So I really think interior offensive line, you're either moving moving up from 41 to go get someone like Bradbury or Lindstrom, 
or, you know, moving down from 10. And we've talked about that kind of scenario where if you've loaded up on multiple first round picks, then you start to think interior offensive line with one of those picks. Uh, And if not, you're going to have options in round three. That's really where you're trying to hunt value and look for a guy who could be an immediate starter for you on this team. Uh, even if you wait around till round three, I really think day two to late day one is where you can, where you can sniff out the best value on the interior offensive line. Yeah. And I think um, you meant, you made a point there at the end that I think is important that they should, they really need to come away with starters their first three picks. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. And if they don't, they need to come away with two starters and either a high developmental guy mm-hmm. or a, a rotational guy that, that fills uh, an immediate role that plays every day, you know, because we've watched, you know, Cortland Sutton was sort of in and out last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've watched Demarcus Walker be a nothing mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. pick so far. Yeah. So it's, you know, and that's that's the stuff that that kills you. Yeah, you cannot miss on those picks. Right, you have to get starting caliber players. Right, and like, hey, it's great that they've been able to make up for it. Uh, you know, Shelby Harris and and uh, Phil Lindsay. Right, right. Like that's they've done a really good job there in getting in getting some mm-hmm. of those guys. Mm-hmm. But when you have those picks, you have to hit on them. Hundred percent. It leaves it leaves such a gaping hole in your roster when, you know, because they haven't been able to hit on guys like Brendan Langley yeah, uh, because Isaac Yottam was, was underwhelming last year. Mm-hmm. They had to go out and they had to spend a lot of money on the cornerback position mm-hmm. in free agency. hundred percent. If you just hit on your picks, especially the ones in the first, in the first two days, and you're able to get guys that can play for you, you don't have to do that. Yeah. You don't have to spend that money. No. Hundred percent. So that's a that's a big thing. So it um Yeah, and that's it's it's so important that, that they walk out of that they, they walk out of the draft in those spots with players who will play. Yes. Yeah, without a doubt. And I mean that might as well be the name of this podcast because that's an underlying point we've made for years is if you have a pick in the top 100, meaning basically in the first three rounds, you need to be getting a starter. It's okay if year one, they're just a rotational guy or a long-term developmental guy, as you mentioned. Right. But by year year two, that player needs to be put in a position where he can start and be a decent starter for you. That's the value you're expected to pull off in the first three rounds. If you take a care of business and you do that regularly, you're going to build a juggernaut. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, you just have to, you have to get players who can play for you. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, Okay. So interior line, offensive line. Great. Uh, Inside linebacker. We've talked about as like maybe the position at the 10th pick. Yep. But if they don't go that position there and all of the Roquan Smith love the other day certainly makes it look like they're trying to deflect attention away from it. Right. Um, where then, 
would you start to look for our uh, inside linebacker help? Yeah, it's an interesting position because after the Devons, there's a drop-off. And that drop-off leads you to Mac Wilson. That's obviously been a big debate on this podcast, especially the regular show with uh, Ryan and Zach uh, debating if Mac Wilson is worth a round two pick. Uh, Ryan, you know, you commented. Ryan and I had a conversation in private that he then mentioned on the podcast when they kind of hashed it out. Uh, We're both in favor of Mac Wilson round two. I think to some extent he wouldn't be our top pick in round two, especially because round two, early round two, you're always hoping someone might drop to you, whether that's, you know, they interviewed Nikhil Harry recently. We'd love that as a pick in round two. I'd love a guy like Irv Smith in round two. I'd love Garrett Bradbury or Chris Lindstrom. So Mac Wilson, not a priority over guys like that, but definitely not a pick, you know, a pick we'd be very much in favor of. But after Mac Wilson, there's really no other options in round two. And that at the earliest, you'd go linebacker in round three, where, you know, guys like Terrell Hanks of New Mexico State, who we're obviously very high on, at least I am, uh, Jermaine Pratt, who we mentioned in the mock draft from Agathens, uh, Drew Tranquil out of Notre Dame, my guy Bobby Okereke. That's where you start to consider those guys. You know, Hanks is the only one who I'd pound the table um, to take at 71. The other guys, I might say, eh, let's let's cool our jets and wait till early round four and see which of these guys is still around. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe someone like Okereke or Trey Watson, who we've talked about in the past, is available or... Chase Hansen, who's a converted safety turned linebacker from Utah, or David Long out of West Virginia, or Blake Cashman out of Minnesota, maybe even the same Tranquil or Vashawn Joseph. Maybe one of those guys drops in early round four, and I feel like early round three, maybe just slight, slightly too rich. Beginning of round four is where you're really hunting that inside linebacker position. So it's an interesting one because we're saying top 10, hit it hard. If there's not that pick you want in the top 10, you might want to wait a full three rounds before you hit linebacker again. Yeah. It's just, it's just that position where there's great at the top and then there's a, there's a big gap there. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> All right. Well, we've also got, um, it's funny, um, interior offensive line, inside linebacker. Now we've got interior defensive line. Yeah. Lots of work on the interior of this defense. Uh, they could use some core three, like those old Yankees teams that I hated. Um, so that's, you know, that's a position where obviously Oliver Gary at 10 could be options. But you could also be looking at day two, kind of similar to the offensive line. That's where the value starts. Uh, You know, guys like Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame, a personal favorite. If he were to drop, that'd be a slam dunk. Jeffrey Simmons out of Mississippi State, uh, you know, top 10 talent. Could he drop? Uh, he, He very well might still drop and be around by that uh, round two pick. And would the Broncos take him? And 
be able to take a an injury riddled redshirt year. I don't know, but the value would be unquestionable. Uh, you know, two favorites of mine's Draymond Jones, Zach Allen would be around. So I really think you look at pick 41 to go interior defensive line, you might really have someone someone pretty special be around for you by that by that selection. Then round three, you know, still day two, you'll have some other options like Gerald Willis out of Miami, John Kaminsky out of Charleston, maybe even Isaiah Bugs out of Alabama. I don't love that as much, but you'll still have options. And I mean, the class is so deep, you could wait till day three. But I really feel like the sweet spot for this position, similar to the interior offensive line, is that day two range, specifically round two. <clears throat> All right, well, we'll just keep uh, we'll keep running through these positions here. Um, the next one that we have on our list here is that speedy wide receiver. Yeah, uh, we've really talked about that a lot. Speedy wide receiver being a big nade. Um, I think this is one of those where you you wait. Um, and of course, you know, Brown or Debo Samuel could be options. Uh, Marquise Brown, that is, who we'd be. We'd be all for, uh, but really, and look, day two, you could hunt for Terry McLaurin, who who I'd be okay with. Andy Isabella, maybe by round three, I'd be down with. Uh, interesting to see where someone like Emmanuel Hall out of Missouri might go. Uh, but really, I think you you wait for you wait for even round four and start to look at guys like Demarcus Lodge, uh, Macaulay Hartman out of Georgia, uh, Johnny Dixon out of Ohio State. You know, you want speed, Darius Slayton, those kind of guys. That's probably where you wait around and start to hunt guys like that. Um, in in day three and even try to add some as undrafted. So, I mean, it's no guarantee that someone like Hunter Renfro will go, will be drafted or TJ Ramming, who I really like out of Duke and is a classic speedster uh, undersized. So because it's kind of a niche position, we're not just looking for like a number one wide receiver. Then we'd start talking about DK at 10. We're looking more for, a guy who can stretch the field vertically and take advantage of Flacco's arm. I think you're waiting till like day three, basically, or late day two. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see if if they even try to address that position, um, just because it is it's such a such a unique fit in an offense, and it takes. It requires a very specific skill set to do it. Yep. Yep. Totally. And so it's it's hard to find like a guy that you're comfortable with that fits it, that fits value, that fits a position you're comfortable taking him on the board. Right. It's just it's a very it's a very narrow path to getting that guy, and then you have to hope he's the right guy. Yeah, for sure. Which I mean, we know we've we've not had the greatest success with the faster wide receivers, uh, but we'll, we'll see. Long live Ashley Lee, yo. Hey, yeah. Him and Jake, the snake were fun together. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, all right. So next position we're going to get to tight ends. 
day two, early day three. Um, this is shaped up to be a pretty talented tight end class overall. Yeah. Uh, guys are still going to get overdrafted because the league values the position more on draft day than they do during the game. Um, tight ends. I think this, like the interior offensive and defensive lines, is a deep position where you can really hunt value in day two, which doing this exercise makes me think a trade down where we could add an extra second or an extra third rounder would not be the worst solution here because that would be a nice way to address uh, the position. But, you know, if you could get a guy like Irv Smith Jr. in day two, or Jay Sternberger out of Texas A&M, or Foster Morrow out of LSU, or Caleb Wilson, like round three. Um, mm-hmm. Dawson Knox ran a 4-5-1 today, the Ole Miss tight end, which is just absurd at his size. Like, there's talent here in a really deep class, and again, you want an immediate starter, you want kind of an upgrade at the position, you're, you're good, your best shot at finding that. Is going to be day two. Yeah, it seems like uh, round two or three, just kind of depending on how the how the board falls, that looks like where uh, the best fit between uh, value and talent is going to be available. Yeah, and this this is true with most drafts. Is that day two range is really where the best value is going to be most of the time. And it's why, you know, guys like Belichick try to load up on picks in the second and third rounds. It's kind of smart practice. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's great uh, draft theory. Yeah. I mean, they do a great job with it. Um, okay, so safety position. We're talking late day one, early day two. Yeah, that's where the best uh, value is in that class for sure. Um, yeah. No. So... Probably a position that is, I mean, we have it down on this list for a reason. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like they're the highest on Will Parks right now. And they do have Kareem Jackson as an option to play safety. So they've got options. You know, we've talked about how we like DeMonte Thomas. some. So in our eyes, I think it'd be further down the list. For the Broncos, it might be a little higher. And this is another low-key potential target in a trade down. And I really think, you know, that ugh, I wouldn't do it because I'd, I'd prioritize other positions. But this safety class, that the top five at the position are really intriguing. And you'd kind of have to pull the trigger on them in round two. Like if you wanted. I mean, could you could you imagine walking out with one of the Devons and then like Jonathan Abram? Yeah, or Chauncey Gardner Johnson, or Deontay Thompson, or Taylor Rapp. I'd that be kind all of for it. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a scary defense with the two edge rushers we have up front already. You know, adding plus the cornerbacks we've added in in free agency. Then you stack uh, that kind of linebacker and safety on top of it. Yeah, that'd be that'd make for a pretty scary defense, no doubt. It would just be, I mean, it would be a defense full of guys that like to attack, right? And have such a such an aggressive mentality that I, that's, I mean, that's I've always felt like that's what defense should be, right? Like you should be imposing your will, you should be attacking the other team, you should be playing downhill all the time. 
that's that's fun defense to watch. It's it's, it's what works. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, totally. And in some ways, it'd be going. It'd be kind of some new school thinking of building a defense outside in rather than the old adage of build a defense inside out to some extent. Yeah, from the from the lines. I mean, obviously, it starts up front with the two guys that they already have. Right. But, you know, they had to invest two top five picks to do it. Uh, yeah. To, to get to get those guys. Yeah. So, you know, the, the hard work is done with those cats. Now it's filling in the rest of those guys. Uh, to to go out and and to smash some pools. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> Agreed. Uh, okay, quarterback. Um, are we are we getting into? I mean, QBs and day two. Yeah, I mean, but... rules don't really apply here. This isn't a position where I can say, "Oh, target it this day or this round." That's where you're going to find value. Uh, it's all beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, you know, I I don't love the round two slash day two options. Uh, I might wait till day three if you're not going to pull the trigger at ten. And at ten, we can talk a little more about some dream and nightmare scenarios in the next segment. Uh, okay. Well, let's uh, get to that segment. Why don't we? Let's do it. All right, this is uh, the BSM Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Lexanol. We will talk about that on the other side. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinol.com. Uh, welcome in third and final segment of the BSM Broncos Draft Podcast here. Uh, Andre, on the other side, or on the end of last segment, we talked about dreams, we talked about nightmares. Before we get into that, Ed Oliver and Devin Bush. Let's, uh, I guess we talked about it a little bit in the first segment uh, when I asked you, you know, when, when we brought up that the 10th pick and talked about the mock. But um, yeah, yeah. what? uh, Let's get into it. Yeah, I feel like realistically these are the two um, best defensive prospects the Broncos could be looking at ten. Though, frankly, after Ed Oliver's pro day yesterday, there's another guy who might be gone by the time the Broncos pick rolls around. And, I mean, 
who knows who that could force to drop. It could be Devin White. It could be Rashawn Gary. It could be Quinnen Williams or Josh Allen, who, gosh, to some extent would be pretty darn intriguing. Um, but it does feel like this is the debate to be had in Broncos draft circles right now. Would, and I, would the Josh Allen, yeah. if, if they did that, would that be like Shane Ray all over again? No, no. Um, I don't mean in terms of him being a bust. I just mean in terms of them already being loaded at the position, but them seeing a great amount of value there and saying, well, you can never have too many pass rushers and just saying YOLO and going for it. I think it's slightly different in that Josh Allen can drop in coverage pretty smoothly. Um and I mean, he'd still be an outside backer, but he could play some inside, especially if they want to use uh, Bradley Chubb with his hand on the ground a little more. Um, you can make it work more than you made that three man rotation work when Ray was there. And that was basically like NASCAR fronts only. Uh, you could find a few more ways to get all three on the field, but not enough in my mind to make it work. Now, Vic Fangio did have three edge rushers on the field. I wouldn't say a decent amount, but much more often than most would, and not just in NASCAR fronts. And he had a guy like Leonard Floyd out of Georgia, former high pick as well, who had, you know, maybe not the greatest edge rusher, but has some nice, you know, a, a multitude of skills, including the ability to drop in coverage and stuff. And to some extent, Josh Allen could be that Leonard Floyd on our team. But yeah, it wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the greatest fit, um, just because you already have two other guys. Uh, in a sense, though, it'd be the most John Elway pick of all. Um, <laughs> and. To some extent, I wonder if Ed Oliver would be the most John Elway pick of all. You know, a guy who fairly productive, uh, a pass, you know, pass rusher. He clearly values pass rush and he values athleticism. And he, you know, he values uh, play in the trenches. The one concern with Ed Oliver are those measurables on a defensive front where having length being able to, you know, keep offensive linemen at bay is important. And not only is he short-armed, you see him where on tape, he's not using his arms in the best of ways. He'll kind of lead with his helmet and try to plant his helmet in offensive linemen's chest. And there are times where even in that lower level of competition he played against where guys are able to kind of maul him and push him two, three yards downfield because if he doesn't beat you off that first step, the length of offensive lineman is going to get to him. And that'll be even more so the case uh, when he's in the pros. So you got to be creative for him. He's really a ready-made three technique. He was used out of position sometimes at Houston where he's playing as a true nose. So he's kind of an awkward fit, but yet he's extremely intriguing. And, you know, there are some analysts and even teams who've asked Oliver about converting to linebacker because he's that freakishly athletic. His ability in pursuit, his ability sideline to sideline is second to none as far as defensive linemen go. 
so he's and he's in some ways the exact opposite of Devin Bush. Devin Bush has a very clear fit and role in this defense. Uh, Devin Bush is also a freak athlete, though he needs to play more like a freak sometimes. I think his instincts are so good and he's so disciplined, so aware of not wanting to overrun or take a bad angle that he doesn't play like a, you know, bat out of hell like Devin White will. And Devin White will make mistakes. He'll miss tackles. You know, he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll misread a play and bite on play action and stuff like this. You don't see that from Devin Bush. Uh, so in a sense, it's they're they're polar opposites. Uh, one gives you an infinite amount of upside, and yet it's unclear how to utilize him exactly, what his best role will be outside of third down um, and stuff like that. While Devin Bush is a, a clear-cut fit, the only thing is he needs to get a little stronger and have an offensive, a defensive line that can cover him up and make up for some of his uh, size limitations so he doesn't have to take on blockers as much against both the run and pass and can kind of roam free and be a playmaker. So I think that's going to be a really interesting debate as we keep getting closer and closer. And if Oliver's stock is elevated now, it'll be interesting to see who might fall. The dream scenario to me would be Haskins falling. Um, The fact that people are even mocking that Haskins falling to 10 or falling to 11 to the, to the Bengals or even I've seen him to 13 to Miami seems insane to me. Um, he is just, he's, it's funny to me that Haskins, a knock for him has become the fact that he uh, isn't mobile. Like, remember just two years ago when it was like, oh, uh, he's athletic. He has a propensity to run before uh, just sitting back and passing. Like, not good, not good. And now all of a sudden we're knocking guys because they're not mobile enough. It's crazy, but Haskins to me would be a slam dunk pick, my fifth best prospect, and the, you know, then you take into account position value. Uh, Haskins would be out of this world. Um, we're also seeing Hawkinson mocked at ten. My man AJ, we talked about it a little bit in segment one. Um, I just want to address one thing: Hawkinson is not Gronkowski. Um, this is the comp that gets nobody the is. Nobody is. That's not a knock on Hawkinson. Nobody is exactly Um, because Gronk is a freak and we throw that term out a lot. But when you're almost 270 and over 6'6 and you have massive hands and long arms and you're really, really athletic too, uh, that's what allows Gronk to be so impossible to cover because you might cover him perfectly, but he's going to have six inches on your linebacker and he'll have like four inches on your safety. So bracket him all you want. If he's got an accurate quarterback like Brady who can throw it up where only he can go get it, he's going to go get it most of the time. And when you're that size and that athletic, yeah, you're going to look like an offensive tackle when you're blocking at times because Uh, You have the athleticism and size of an offensive tackle. And Hawkinson, very good blocker, good promising wide uh, receiving tight end, and very good athlete. But he doesn't have that freakish size, 
And when you watch him as a receiver, his routes are pull, his routes are polished, his hands are nice, uh, but he's not this mismatched threat who's impossible to cover the way Gronk was. So I think, you know, and again, I have a first round grade on him. I'm not like some Hawkinson hater. Right. I just think at 10, it'd be way too rich for a team that has all these other needs. Uh, I And I could understand if you were a team like, say, the Packers, who look because of injuries and what have you, they've fallen off a bit. But this is probably still a, a playoff team who's at 12 is drafting higher than where they realistically should be with the state of their roster. Then I could understand you reach on Hawkinson a little bit at 12. It's a bit of a luxury pick, but you can pull it off when you have as many needs as the Broncos do. Yeah. You can't afford to do that. Um, so I, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, and with the discussion we've just had, I wonder if offensive line should be more in play at 10 now. Um, okay. Well, give me a, give me an, we're talking dreams and nightmares here. Give me a dream scenario. Uh, let's go with top two picks. Dream scenario, top two picks. Uh, yeah. Dwayne Haskins, Garrett Bradbury, dream scenario. You know, you get your quarterback of the future and you get a center that give it six months, he'll be an upgrade over uh, Paradis and is perfectly suited for this offense. And those two together will be handing handing the ball off to one another and protecting uh, for the other for the next decade. Boom. That's those are your two new leaders on offense with which you will build the offensive core. All of a sudden you have an offensive identity adding those guys to Philip Lindsay that you can build around. All of a sudden your offense looks a lot brighter and better than it has uh, since before Peyton Manning left. Nice. Well, um, I figured we would have different dreams, but that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, sounds baller, huh? I guess. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe if we wanted to go full YOLO, you could go like Haskins and like Noah Fant. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm surprised you're mentioning a tight end now. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, as much as it makes me want to light myself on fire, I'm well, like, uh, I would say, I would say like Haskins and like Nikhil Harry. Um, but well, and at 41, I mean, Fant would be quite good value. Um, right. Like that's a guy that I fully expect to go between picks 22 and 32 somewhere. in there. Yeah. Um, and you know, my dream scenario is offensive heavy because I think that's the area that needs to be addressed the most. A defensive dream scenario would be Devin white and Jerry Tillery. To me, that would be an absolute home run. Uh, I saw someone posted Jerry Tillery's numbers side by, you know, size and athletic testing numbers side by side with Chris Jones. And they're basically identical. Um, And I know you love Tillery. Yeah. I mean, anyone who has doubts over Tillery needs to know for one, he was dealing with an injury all of last year and just go watch that Stanford tape where he has like five, four or five sacks, something like that. Just out of this world. Um, 
And, you know, one of the leaders of a defense of a Notre Dame team that went undefeated in the regular season and made it to the playoffs. Like, one of the best Notre Dame uh, teams in our lifetime, which is saying a lot for that program. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Tillery, I think, is being criminally underrated right now. Uh, so that would be another dream scenario. And again, Tillery has the kind of length the Broncos have coveted in the past, but also the athleticism and pass rush skills to, with some development, be that interior penetrator. So it's like he's the best of both worlds. It's not an awkward fit like an Ed Oliver would be. Yeah, I uh, where where his value is is going to be really interesting yes, too. Very, yep. Um, it'll just be, you know, where does, where does he ultimately land? Mm -hmm. You know, him and him and Jeffrey Simmons, both, both guys are going to be really fascinating to watch for obviously different reasons. Um, come draft day and see just how the NFL values those guys. Right. Yeah, totally. Uh, why is Daniel Jones a nightmare? Oh, geez. You know, I, I did this exercise I'll try to do with prospects where last night I specifically dug into more Daniel Jones tape and said, let's convince ourselves to like him. Uh, Let's make the case for Daniel Jones. So I'm trying to watch his best games and I'm trying to sell myself on him instead of dwelling on the fact that, you know, the narrative that he's a David Cutcliffe quarterback is kind of dumb or you know, his stats are horrendous or all, all these kind of factors. Um, and I mean, I look, I see the appeal, big athletic, uh, very nice touch and absolutely fearless in the pocket. When pressure is coming, he is unfazed. This guy, you know, eyes don't dip. He'll step into a throw right as he's about to get hit. And it's not like he doesn't see pressure coming. This guy's very good about releasing the ball right before he's, uh, he's, his arm motion is going to be affected by the oncoming contact. But he's just unfazed. He's fearless. Uh, you see flashes of his ability to throw on the run. You see flashes of zip in tight windows over the middle of the field. And that touch can be very nice. In intermediate throws, he'll drop it into the bucket lead his receiver all the time. Thing is, doesn't have great arm power. You see this in his unwillingness to throw it to the sideline very often. Uh, and then not very accurate ball. So not a strong arm and not very accurate. Uh, that's concerning, right? And, um, you know, the, the fact that his ball placement is going to need so much work. Uh, there are just throws where he's throwing behind his guy. He's just not putting it where only his guy can get it. And at Duke, they were in completions. You do that in like November or December in the NFL where where windows are tighter and DBs are right on top of those wide receivers. And all of a sudden you throw a slant just slightly behind your guy instead of leading him or you throw a crosser like that what used to be an incompletion in the ACC all of a sudden becomes a tip ball interception in the NFL. And those are going to be costly. And this is a guy who already has 20 interceptions in his last two seasons. Uh, So, you know, that's at at 10, 
he would be he would be a nightmare scenario for sure. I mean, just plain and simple. Like those aren't tools I would gamble on. And yet when I watched him, I thought, gosh, uh, I wonder if LA secretly loves this guy. I sure hope not. Like there are a lot of those things that make me think, huh. This uh <laughs> this guy checks off a lot of the boxes that John wants checked off by a quarterback. All right, Audrey. Yeah. Any uh any final thoughts today? Uh no. No, that was that was fun. I hope I wasn't rambling too much and we stayed structured enough, but uh, I enjoyed that. I think we'll start doing some simulators. Uh, we're going to have lots more draft content. I updated my big board and mock draft this week. Uh, we're going to start getting into some position previews and maybe some prospect film rooms here soon. Uh, so lots cooking. So stay tuned. Subscribe to the site if you haven't already. And... Uh, yeah, man. Thanks for taking the time to do this. I know uh, you're extra busy, so I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I uh, I have to get to uh, get to get to writing about the app. So uh, that'll do it. That'll do it for us today, Dre. Thank you as always. Uh, it's always a pleasure. It's always a fun show to do. Um, looking forward to it. I mean, this is it, man. We're in sh- a year of us doing this together. Yeah. This is, this is go time. This is this is the stretch run for us. The last couple of episodes before the draft itself. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is the this is the time. So, uh, we will see you guys next week. Thank you. It's the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Lixenol. Uh, yeah, I already said it. Are you in search of natural relief from your daily stresses? Well, Strava Craft Coffee is a CBD-rich, hemp oil-infused coffee that is non-psychoactive, helps reduce pain naturally, keeps those coffee jitters away, and so much more. I started drinking it because I have degenerative arthritis, and I would prefer to drink coffee that has natural ingredients in it for healing, and this coffee treats the inflammatory process that happens from having degenerative arthritis. That was Robin. She's been drinking Strava Craft coffee every day for months now, and she is so happy with the results. I would recommend it to America, to everyone, because it is a fantastic product. It delivers. It does what it says it's going to do, and it's amazing. Put your body back in balance with Strava Craft Coffee and see how good you feel. Order online today and use promo code BSN2018 for 20% off. That's BSN2018.